Hoffman. Good to see you. Good to see you in our office, Yahoo, New York City. Actual humans doing interviews. Good stuff. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. So the startup of you, revised edition, what inspired you to write it? Well, um, so when I first wrote it, it was because I gave the commencement speech at my high school. And it's like I know a whole bunch of teenagers graduating. Like, what do I have to offer them? Because oh, very few of them are going to be entrepreneurs, technologists, investors, et cetera. And the answer was action packed the whole world already 10 years ago is changing. You, are, you must be the entrepreneur of your own life. Mm-hmm. It isn't that you should be, a, maybe you should be an entrepreneur, maybe you shouldn't. It isn't you need to be an entrepreneur, but we no longer have a career ladder, no longer have a career escalator. We have a career jungle gym, right? And so how do you do that? Well, it's the skills of an entrepreneur. And so that's the speech I gave and some tips. And I circulated to my friends and said, oh, you should do this book. And so I did that book. Well, now fast forward to now, pandemic global volatility, industry disruption, all of this stuff is just that growing, like it isn't a career of, I go work at one company and I work at that company my whole life and it's this one industry. It's actually, you change around a lot. And the skills to do that are entrepreneurial skills. So when the publisher said, hey, you know, it's the 10th you know, year, we'd love to have a revised and upgraded edition, <laughs> right? It was like, well, but actually, the, the point is still the same. Even the book from 10 years ago, still really good, but we can, we can refresh it. We can add in new things, new understandings for what we've learned in the last 10 years that would be helpful for everyone. And so let's do the 10th anniversary. Well, I would say this. Before we get into some of these questions, uh, the book did inspire me, one, to refresh my LinkedIn page, and number two, potentially think about a new career change. But we'll save that at the end. <laughs> I want to get into that on, on live camera here. First part, you mentioned uh, we have entered a brave new professional world. What defines that world? Well, what defines that world is now the way that you are navigating your work and career is through your network, mm-hmm. not through uh, entirely the, the performance and the promotion within a company and within an industry. And uh, there is the world is much more in many ways global and connected, right? Because just as we are here, connected through the internet and, and, and you know, kind of digital content and all the rest, that's the new, like, like the, the level at which the world is connected today versus five years versus 10 versus 20 is huge, right? Like, for example, we, uh, the part of the reason why we know about stuff that's going on in the Ukraine is because people with cell phones, right? You know, and that is a great new piece of the world. Well, that also has impacts on uh, where does your competition come from? What do your career opportunities look like? Um, you know, where, when you're looking for information to help you navigate your life or navigate your work, that's a global basis. And that is part of the reason why you would be doing that in an entrepreneurial way. And that entrepreneurship is, is, is look for opportunities, take some risks, have a competitive advantage, um, uh, track which industries are the right industries to be in and move towards those industries. And that competition isn't, look, if, if it's, hey, I'm a restaurateur, then that might be the, oh, which corner am I on and do I have the right, right thing? But more and more, that's global. And even like take a restaurateur. How are you doing within TripAdvisor? How are you doing within Yelp? You know, like, like that kind of thing is part of the, 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 the globally connected strategy that you need to have as an individual managing your own career. How do you find success in this new world? Well, it will be different for different folks. It depends on what your definition of success is. Uh, some people say, what I really want to do is be successful um, as a designer, or I want to be successful as a photographer, or I want to be successful as, or I really want to have a stable job at a stable institution. 
But all of that comes down to using your network to help you identify what do you think those things are relative to your goal, uh, understanding what it takes to get there, are you a good fit, helping you get there, and then helping you perform when you're there, and then knowing when to change. Because uh, one of the things that uh, is kind of a, is, a, is, a, is a line that we started thinking about as a way of thinking about it is adaptability is the new stability. A lot of people want stability in their jobs, that's great. The, the, but in order to do that, you have to be adaptable because the world is changing around you. And you can't just wish for the world to stay. You know, I'd really like the world to stay like the 1950s forever. It's like, nope, that actually, in fact, does not work. Should I be, or not just me, anybody looking for a new job right now, how do they make that career shift? How do they push the, pull the trigger on leaving the job they have now, which is secure in many mm -hmm. respects, and finding something new? How do they know when it's the right time? Well, the, so one, your own goals. Right, so are your goals like you like what kinds of things are you looking for? Um, now, part of it is hey, hey, my my job's really stable. I'm really happy with it. I look around. My industry is stable. My company is stable. Great. Maybe maybe staying here is exactly where you should be. It isn't that it isn't change for change's sake. It's change because it's the right thing relative to your goals. But you might look around and say, oh, actually, in fact, my industry is is dropping off a cliff. And even if my company is really good and everything else, this whole thing is not going to be as interesting as the next thing. So kind of classic within media is like, well, maybe actually, in fact, I should be doing this other new media stuff. Or maybe I should be looking at like what's happening with, like how is the world of TikTok going to change all this world of information? And I should be doing stuff within that. This whole interview is going on TikTok, Reed. Yeah. Every, single part, every single part of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm trying to. You know, <laughs> hey, a little, little interpretive dance. <laughs> right. So... Um, and so like, I should be looking at that, and that's what I should go see if there's something there, because I can see that trend already happening, and I should see which organizations and what roles and what skills I should be having. And then, you, of course, you use your network, just like an entrepreneur does, to say, well, let me call a few people. Let me ask them what they think and see if they think that's the right thing or not. And then if you go, ooh, that is really interesting, well, would I be the right person? Am I the right fit? How would I have a competitive edge? How would I have a competitive differentiation? What would the second step be? Because one of the things about planning strategies, don't just plan the first step, plan two steps, right? Because two steps gives you a strategic advantage. Most people tend to think only think, oh, what's the next thing? Planning two steps, it doesn't have to be an exact step. It's like if I go here, then my opportunity landscape changes the following way. And I could possibly do this, I could possibly do this, I could possibly do this. And that's the kind of thing you look at, which is the reason why tech change, global changes, industry changes, company changes are all part of how you, not trying to start your own business, but you're going, okay, what should my career be? What job should I be doing? What should I be doing? Are some 30-year-olds job hopping too much? And I ask this because you know, I'm on LinkedIn uh, when I have a, uh, some spare moments. I pull up some uh, resumes online. It's like seven or eight jobs uh, in two and a half years. To me, I'm a little more old school, but that's a lot of jobs. So it depends a lot on are you learning really effectively and accomplishing good things. Now, one part of that, and, and are you building good network with the people you're there at the company with? So if you like build, because part of that network comes from, hey, we, we work together. I love the work you do. I trust it. Uh, we helped each other. And so therefore, wherever we are four years from now, you can call me. I can call you. Maybe we're having breakfast every so often. You know, that's important. So you have to have... You should be building out that, and that's through doing the work, not from, oh, look, I had the title, I had the business card, I had a desk. None of that stuff matters from that kind of thing. Next thing is, did you accomplish something? So when, when people are going, hey, so you want a job, you've been working for six years now, what are the things you've done? 
Like, what, what are the things you go, ooh, I'm stronger, faster, better, did some really amazing well, things. Well, interpretive dance on here. That'll be <laughs> yes, one of the yes, biggest things for yes, us, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, so that would be a, another thing you need. And then, the, um, and then obviously, what did you learn as you're doing that? And so, uh, it isn't necessarily that your job has to be two years, or your job has to be four years, or your job has to be 18 months. Those are, those are the really key things to make sure that that happens. And by the way, when people call your, your, the people you used to work with and say, how was this person? Oh, they accomplished really great things. Great, because we have a network world. Those phone calls will happen, especially for better opportunities. Or they say, oh yeah, that person kind of warmed the seat of the desk for 18 months and was always looking for the next thing and went on to the next thing. Then you're less likely to be hired. I like this concept you brought up in the book, the age of inconceivable. What is it, and how do you even prepare for it? Well, um, so the uh, age of inconceivable um, comes from a, another book uh, from a good friend of mine, uh, Joshua Cooper Ramo, uh, which uh, I think is a great book. People uh, uh, should read it along with uh, his other books. And what it is is the world is coming at a speed that's faster, so therefore sooner, and stranger than you think. And so you need to keep this gaze adaptable. You don't just say, oh, I, I know what's happening. We're on the internet, we have mobile phones, and everything's going to be on mobile phones. And you go, well, by the way, we're still in the mobile phone transition. We're still in and what's happening with, with, with all this computing going to the cloud. But by the way, there's also AI, and there's Web3 and crypto, and there is synthetic biology, and there's autonomous vehicles. And, and I'm only scratching the surface on the stuff, just the stuff that I, I'm looking at and investing in. And so all of that stuff is going to make um, the, the world faster and more and different. And by the way, some of it will feel a little alienating. Right? That, 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 that's kind of I don't know about synthetic biology. <laughs> yes, well, feel a little alienating. But on the other hand, that world is coming. And so how do you uh, surf it? How do you navigate it? How do you steer it to good outcomes? And so that's one of the when people are like crypto skeptics, for example. I say, well, look, a bunch of crypto is going to be garbage. And a bunch of crypto is going to be a flash in the pan and go away. Some of it's going to persist, and the world will be different. And whether or not you're in it or not, you need to be understanding it in many industries because it will have an impact on how things are working. I have more questions for you on the, on the job front because I do want to talk about mm. crypto at some point. Mm. But you surprised me with this one. You say invest in your strengths, not in your weaknesses. Why is that? Yes. Well, so the typical thing that people encounter is, oh, I'm weak at, at, at managing my schedule, so I should work on that. The problem is, is what you should really do is, what are the amazing things that you bring to your team, right? Whether your team is an organization, your team is your network, because life is a team sport, not an individual sport, even entrepreneurs, right? It's, it's, a, it's a team sport. And so, and a team focus, what are the things that help, that my strengths that make this team a whole lot better? And then, as opposed to like working on your weaknesses or making something you're moderately good at a little bit better, which doesn't really add that much to the team, you should focus on no weaknesses that are debilitating for the team, no weaknesses that are debilitating for you, but your strengths are what really add to the team. And with your strengths, that's why you should always improve them to say, oh, I'm one of the best people for doing this kind of technology investing in the world. I shouldn't then go, oh, well, I don't really understand real estate investing. Oh, I should understand real estate investing better. It's like, no, 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 don't need to do any of that. What strengths have you been working on during the pandemic? So I'd say the primary one is by serving a large number of boards and having a large number of different organizational responsibilities, I have a very well-developed kind of uh, reactive, like I'm, I'm good at 
board calls me, need X, I help Y, I do the governance thing. I need to work in some more like um, proactive work back into my thing. And obviously, you know, decades ago when when I w was younger, I would do that more because I had that 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 narrower portfolio. And so, whether it's generating content like you know, the startup for you, refreshed edition, or other kind of things like that, it's a little bit of a of a oh no no, I'm doing this work, you know, eight hours a week persistently week on week to get that done and I'm part of this production process. That, that's what I'm re-bringing into my skill portfolio. What mega trends are you investing in? So uh, at a top level, artificial intelligence, uh, Web3, uh, partially because uh, software and the software transformation in the world is the thing that I'm, again, competitive edge and differentiation versus real estate. Um, I've co-founded a company called Inflection Labs with Mustafa Suleiman, who is the uh, co-founder of DeepMind. Uh, and and so that's how important you know AI is. I'm on the board of directors of OpenAI. I'm on the board of directors of Microsoft. It's you know artificial intelligence will have a very broad ranging impact on industries and the world. And and I think we're just the very beginning of seeing that. Should I pause or should I go on a Web three? Go for it. Okay. So Web three, um, uh, the redefinition. It really Web three is a nice convenient metaphor, but actually, in fact, most of the things that will be in Web3 are actually the kind of things that should be added to the general internet protocols. It's almost like we're, we're, we're doing a software update to the internet to say, now, now let's have a variety of features that come with a distributed, authenticated, cryptographically secure platforms and the various ways that uh, the APIs, the ways they're formed, the way they're proven, and add that in to a whole bunch of different things we're doing. And part of the reason that's foundational, not just a question of should you buy Bitcoin or should you not buy Bitcoin, um, but it's foundational to a set of different applications that the internet can now power. And so that's part of the, the, you know, the kind of interest in that. Now there's also a longer tail. I do autonomous vehicles. I'm actually, for Greylock, I'm, I'm, I've ended up being the transport person because the transport of networks, I'm a network software person. And so it's like Aurora for autonomous vehicles or Joby for you know, kind of bringing you know, Uber into the air. When, when do we see self-driving cars on the road? Well, they're on the road right now. In mass scale, in mass <laughs> yeah, scale. Yes. You go to Phoenix, go to, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's places. Um, I would say it's one of those things that will accrete over time and then suddenly seem like they're kind of everywhere. It's kind of cool. Uh, because you know you already have enough demonstration to be able to do them safely in a number of different circumstances. And so those circumstances are starting around. Like for example, Aurora is running trucks for FedEx from Dallas to Houston and back, right? And it is doing it. It is happening right now. Now it's very early because you know Aurora's commitment to safety is unparalleled, and so they're like, we're really making sure this works work, works really well. And you know, trucks are obviously something that other drivers are nervous of. So let's make sure that that we are so much safer than the alternatives as as ways of doing that. But it's on the road today. I'm trying to synthesize what we talk about. I know time is brief, so let me let me go for two here. Are you sold on the metaverse? Metaverse is one of the ones where it's inevitable that it happens, um, but when and how is a very big question. I tend to be a little bit, over the last five to eight years, um, a little bit more, nah, not yet. I don't see the signs yet to, that tell me that the metaverse is fully happening. Now, sometimes you're wrong <laughs> right, on these things. And the signs I look for are, I think the, it's, it's almost like which application really starts taking off. And, and and uh, 
you know, I think we saw some interesting things with kind of Pokemon Go and Niantic and augmented reality. Um, I think there was some elements there. Um, I think we see some really amazing games. I think entertainment is the first thing that you're going to really see. And obviously the proponents of the metaverse say, no, no, it'll be, you know, the pandemic has accelerated us into it. We're doing, you know, uh, video interviews in it. We're doing, you know, work in it. We're doing our shopping in it. We're doing our dating in it. We're doing all this stuff. And I think that's still a fair ways away. You are uh, an early investor in Facebook. And with that lens on, do you think they will be the dominant force in metaverse? Well, the, uh, Facebook's an extremely capable company. Uh, they've done a lot of very smart investing um, and building of things. Like, you know, the, for example, taking the bet on Oculus is a smart bet for how do we actually, in fact, build some pretty amazing tech. Um, and actually, you know, obviously, WhatsApp and Instagram are genius bets, right, in terms of how to do this. So, super capable company. Um, the question is, is it this phase or not? One of the things you have to do, and we do this a lot as tech investors, is look if it's if it the technology thing is the technology. If you're building the technology because you think the scale go to market will be three to five years from now, you have to be building really hard right now. That's a good thing to do. The technology you're building, if it's not five years from now, maybe seven, then it's technology you should be building four years from now because there will be new Are they tech early? waves. They might be. That's 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 the primary question. Are they are they early in what the tech is? Are they early in what the go to market is? Are they early in what the scale product market fit is? Those are the questions. Switching gears here, cryptocurrency. Uh, Warren Buffett caught a lot of flack recently for his views on crypto. Doesn't hold any value. Where does Reid Hoffman stand? Well, I've already on crypto. Yes. Um, so uh, I gave a talk at Davos a number of years ago. I wrote an article for Wild UK saying the world will have one or more. Uh, cryptocurrencies inspired by Bitcoin, and it will be a good thing, right? So that is kind of a baseline uh, position on this. I actually even made a uh, Bitcoin rap battle that if you go to uh, you know YouTube and put Bitcoin rap battle, you can see kind of an idea. <laughs> that I did not know. Yes, the <laughs> discussion between, uh, it was between Alexander Hamilton, was fries, and Sat uh, Sat uh, Satoshi, right? So uh, uh, obviously, I don't know who Satoshi is, but you know, uh, imaged uh, for the for the, for the for the debate, and the reason I did that was so that both sides understood that there was a finance governance set of principles, that it was a set of ideas arguing uh, for what are the better systems that we should have, and I think without question, some of these crypto systems should exist. You know, Warren's argument that look, they're not productive and not generative. Look, Warren doesn't understand the kind of tech platforms and kind of what kinds of things could be useful for a global identity system that could be packed into a distributed ledger that's part of internet protocols, or you know ledgers for assets that you could have as part of all, you're doing a number of different asset you know applications and so forth, and what the economics of that is. Partially because everyone who's talking to him is like, you should buy Bitcoin, and he's like, well, <laughs> like, what I buy is I buy uh, shares in companies that are going out and generating value and products and services in the world. I don't understand what this is not generating. So, so that's the reason he 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 you know our, this extraordinarily smart oracle mm -hmm. says what he does. But but yes, crypto is real and serious. One more on crypto. Uh, as someone who thinks, I would say you think in generations. Does at some point replace the dollar? Does it stand alongside the dollar? Are we even on that wavelength yet? So I don't see anything that suggests that major well-run countries will stop having currencies. Um, 
And so I think there will be a dollar. I think there'll be a crypto dollar, you know, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it's part of the hyperbole that goes around this because they go, oh, you won't have, you won't have U.S. dollars, you'll have Bitcoin. And, oh, my God, that's dumb for the following reasons. Like, well, yeah, I can see a lot of things being dumb about getting rid of the dollar. And anyone who's proposing that doesn't fully know what they're thinking about. On the other hand, we have, what, 200 and some odd currencies today? And so you go, oh, Bitcoin's another one. You have a problem with the, the 200th and the 200th plus one? Yeah, whatever, right? And so um, now there's, I'm being a little facile, there's questions of governance and questions of you know, how does it fit within society and so forth, and what happens with it, possibly criminal activity and all that, which, which does need to be managed in a good way. But by the way, entrepreneurs and companies are building tools to do that. And you know, um, technology can be uh, creating some of the challenges we're uh, having today, but is almost always part of the solution. Like you want that to be better, well, build new tech, refactor the tech, and then you're better off. And so I think that's the kind of thing we'll be seeing with crypto, which will answer many of the objections that are, that are fielded. I want to end a couple uh, last minutes here. Going back to your book, uh, you had a good mm -hmm. quote in there from Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs have to eat glass and stare into the abyss. Really like that quote. Yep. As someone who worked closely with him, now, the folks out there call it the, the PayPal Mafia. I'll say the PayPal Network. Thank you. Yes, I, I do my homework. <laughs> yes. What makes him so successful? Uh, well, Elon could arguably be the entrepreneur of our generation, right? I mean, amazing. Um, and amazing across multiple fronts. Uh, space flight, you know, uh, neurological things, electric cars. I mean, just wow, right? Yeah. Just simply wow. Yeah. <laughs> right? All happening at the same time. Yes, yes. It's simply Absolutely amazing. And so a, a deep, persistent kind of North Star, a, uh, understanding of how technology can change the game, how you build technology to do that, a willingness to tackle hard problems, skill sets of recruiting amazing people, like all of that kind of thing is the kind of thing that Elon brings to bear on a problem. And, um, and so I, I just, you know, like you could tell, them, in addition to a friend, I'm a fanboy. <laughs> it, 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 it is, it is amazing, simply amazing, the kinds of things that he accomplishes. So, uh, so I'm, uh, and by the way, I think that's one of the things we, we desperately need is more building of technology uh, for the future. So I'm, I'm a, uh, I think Elon's great. When he says he wants to change Twitter, hmm. what do you think he could do? And have you talked about with him what he might do? Uh, so there's some things I've talked about, which I can't stand. Can't. Fair enough. <laughs> right. One of the things he already has tweeted about, and Twitter being a good means for doing this, is bringing um, more uh, validation of human identity onto the platform. And I think that is actually a good thing. I actually think it doesn't say you have to be careful about, like, well, people who could be at threat by having their identity, you know, like if, I, if I'm a protester in a totalitarian country or if I'm a, a disadvantaged minority in some place that where, where I could be taken advantage of, we have to be sensitive to those kinds of things because that's, those are important aspects of ongoing social and global change. On the other hand, it's also very good for us to have kind of, there's reasons why we have robust identity systems, why, you know, in order to come into this studio, I show them my driver's license and say, yes, I'm really Reed Hoffman, and yes, please let me in the door. <laughs> right. Just pull up my LinkedIn profile, that's where it's me. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's actually important uh, for how our society works. And I think that vision as part of what he's thinking about Twitter is clearly a very good idea. Lastly, do you want to help him overhaul Twitter and create this next generation of, of the public town square? Uh, well, I think I would... 
help Elon with anything he asked me for help with. Interesting. All right, we'll leave it there. Reed Hoffman, uh, good to see you. Thanks for coming into the Yahoo headquarters in person. We appreciate the time. Great, thank you. Thank you.